Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Great, good morning. I'm going to share with you the theme. I would say the focus of the class. I'll start with that. The focus of the class is your thoracic spine. So mid-spine. And we hold a lot in the spine. We hold a lot in the body. And I'm really quite curious about uh, how to get access to my own body, but then also bodies of others and attempt to support the healing process from the inside out. And so my approach, I would say, is from the top down, inside out. What lives in the mind lives in the body and vice versa. And so how do you get access to your body? And that's the premise of yoga as I see it, is how to get access to your body. We can be largely up here in the mind. And that's a challenging place to live from because we're separated and it feels like that sometimes, separated from our body. And that's dangerous. It's a very dangerous way to live because it'll catch up to us at some point. And how that manifests is in dis-ease. We've lost ease because we're no longer in our body. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Dis-ease, unconfronted, manifests in disease in the body. We lose ease and that'll manifest into dis-ease in the body at some point. And our body's a storage uh, container, you could say. We place things in our body. It's like, okay, I want to avoid this, don't want to feel this, don't want to talk about this, and we're moving it. And storing these experiences and emotions in our body. And the tendency is that we blow it where we're weakest wherever our body is weakest. And perhaps you can see examples of that in your lineage. That's why it's so important to understand where you come from because you're susceptible to your lineage and what lives in your lineage. And to hold that as clearly as you possibly can and have practices that, practices that counter where you're inherently weak and you know that you have families, you come from places, you have a good understanding. You know where you come from because they came before you. And so that's a good view to see where you come from and to pay attention. And you'll see a lot in that, which is startling to say the least, but also useful information. And so this bridges into my approach overall, which is attempting to understand the human experience. And I see it in two ways, the cycle of dis-ease, and I've been exploring that for a very long time, and the cycle of immunity. So how we disempower ourselves, you could say, in the practice of empowering ourselves. Dis-ease versus immunity. And there's stark differences in specifically the outcome. And that's how I always teach how we lead ourselves in places we don't necessarily want to be <laughs> and where we rather be. And up on the board are some examples of that. And this supports the class focus. So in the thoracic spine, you can see up the board on the left side, thoracic spine, everyone is a victim. Oh, what a perspective. Everyone is a victim. And I want to be someone else. I don't want to be a victim. I want to be someone else. I want to be like you. 
or you, or you. Welcome to comparisons and expectations. And how that can bend us, certainly from the inside out. The right side, we hold worry and worry about everything. We can worry about everything. You ever worry? It's a gripping experience for sure. And the fear of doing. I'm so worried, I'm fearful of doing. What happens if I don't get it right? What happens if I get it wrong? What What happens if I succeed? What happens if I don't? And so these experiences can stop us and warp us from the inside out so much so we no longer have a spine. And that can happen. And how important it is to stand up as straight as you can in this world. Very difficult to do day after day, to get your feet on the ground, to pick yourself back up, to confront yet another day in your experience. But you've been doing it. Good for you. And the idea in your practice is to confront any kinks, any warps, any bends that live within. And there are some. What you may notice up on the board is there's perspectives that support emotional experience in the body that starts to warp the body if left unconstrained, left unconfronted. So I'm gonna walk you through some distinctions between the feminine and the masculine. Woo, what a delicate conversation. Let's see how this goes. (laughs) Things you're not supposed to talk about anymore. (laughs) That's how it seems to me. But we're going to talk about it anyways and see where it goes. We have both of these qualities, the masculine and the feminine. And you relate to one more than the other. Great. You want to know that. It's good information. And then the idea is to see what you could embrace more of. We're very habituated and practiced and like to stay the same. We love routines. (laughs) And that's great. But you want to understand the routines that you're in. Some of those routines actually support you. And support your health and overall well-being and some certainly don't and you know that better than anybody that is for sure so let's walk through this and see and this is the setup for your practice so when you go to your mat you're practicing something meaningful it's not just some aerobic exercise that you hear to flop around on your mat i mean if you want to practice that way go ahead i would say that you're wasting your time but so be it <laughs> to really take this practice on to get access to yourself and to confront to challenge yourself in various different ways and to pull yourself towards, to pull yourselves closer to what it is you say you want. And there is nothing simple about that. And it's a problem. And that's good to recognize. And you could see your practice, uh, your mat practice that way, the attempt to solve one problem after the next, one pose after the next. All right, let's get into this, the feminine. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. You could say the habitual way or the ideal way, the way in which uh, we're taught, guided, and expected to think about the feminine, you could say, the habitual way. 
caretaking, nurturing, and collaboration. So feminine qualities. Okay, fair enough. Then in the feminine, there's caretaking, nurturing, and collaboration. And the orientation is towards relationships. Well, why is that? Well, that, pardon me? Procreation. Procreation, yes, that's definitely in there, for sure. And in relationships is where caretaking, nurturing, collaboration live. So best to be good at relationships. And there's a lot of uh, pressure, a lot of pressure to be all of this. And all at the same time, all at once. <laughs> One of the benefits and strengths that come out of uh, being in a relationship is flexibility because you have to be flexible in relationships to be successful within relationships. You have to be flexible. And so it's a great strength that comes out of that. The predominant emotion that can come out of this is fear. Well, fear of what? Fear of missing out on what's expected. Fear of missing out, FOMO, yikes. And that can instill fear. I have to be the ideal. If I'm not, then what? What will people think of me? Who will I be then if I am not this, the ideal? The desire in all of this is to be loved. So if I caretake and nurture and collaborate, well, maybe I'll get some of love. Maybe, maybe some, of lo some of the love will be reserved for me. If I pour my love onto other people, maybe I'll get some back. And so that's the desire, to be loved. Give me some love. The strategy to support love is to please, which is nestled into the ideal. To caretake, to nurture, to collaborate, to appease, to accommodate, to please. And so that's a predominant strategy that can be used to support the feminine and the qualities that support the feminine. The problem with that is it is the loss of self that occurs through this strategy. Because it only includes the body to be the pleaser. And if you're a pleaser, you have a good sense of what that represents in your life and how much you've sacrificed along the way to be the pleaser, to, to caretake, to nurture, and to collaborate with people. You've given up on your commitments in some ways, at times for sure. You need me, I'm there. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'll put that off to the side. You need me, I'm there. Yeah, I'm not gonna sleep. I'm not gonna feed myself. I'm not gonna do these kinds of things. I'm here. And look at me be here, being the pleaser, taking care of you, nurturing you. I'm in a relationship. And the pleaser sacrifices a tremendous amount. All the way down into the soul, you could say. And that's the abandonment, the abandonment of spirit, the abandonment of soul that comes from the strategy that lives up here. The overextension and the body is floundering in the back. Hey, what about me? Take care of me. I'd like to be nourished too. Shut up down there. You don't get that from me. Only others get that from me. So quiet down. Just do what you're told. 
And that's how we can treat our body. In the strategy of the pleaser, we can be seen in particular ways. And up on the board, it's the invasive aggressor. Oof. Because pleasers have a way of building resentment and they get aggressive. Have you ever had somebody aggressively try to take care of you? <laughs> I'm gonna tuck you in. Tuck you up. <laughs> aggressive hugging you, these kinds of things. That's how it can be. It's a very strange experience and that's what happens with the pleaser. They become resentful and embittered all the while attempting to take care and nourish and to collaborate, which is so absurd on so many different levels because who the hell wants to be with somebody like that? Not too many people. And as the pleaser, that's one of the ways in which they move themselves into conflict. It's their worst fear of somebody not wanting to be with them, not wanting to be in relationship. The opposite, you could say, is the hapless victim. You don't love me. You don't care about me. I do all of these things for you and you give me nothing in return. How dare you? And whatever that looks like, which is nothing good, moping around some tears, eating a gallon of ice cream in the bathtub, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> what all that looks like. <laughs> delicious. Yeah, so delicious. <laughs> Yet absolutely unattractive. <laughs> and this is how the pleaser can be seen. The aggressor to the hapless victim. And in that swing, oof, it is very unpleasant. Very difficult to keep up with, so much so we lose ourselves. That's what can happen. There's no center, there's no sense of self. Everything has been given up and there is nothing left. And that's where things get very dangerous very quickly when we get into that state because it is the collapse of self. And many people don't recover from that. And so then the idea is not to go down that path and to resist it as much as you can. You have to understand what you're dealing with and what you're dealing with is you and you are a problem. That is for sure. And so the outcome through this extraordinary chain of events is anxiety and feeling unsupported. And getting down in that chain, it's like, oh my God, I have to be better in a relationship. I have to do more. I have to please more. Ah, 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 ah. I can't feel this way. And then it's right back into the loop of reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, not taking care of oneself. And the loop deepens and expands and becomes more fragile. It's a tough existence. And so I've broken it down in a different way. On the right side of the board, the expectation is to establish relationships. That's the feminine, the ideal to establish relationships and best you be good at it. The crises, attempting to establish autonomy 
in terms of taking care of yourself emotionally and financially. It's really quite curious, isn't it? And those conflict often. The ability to take care of yourself emotionally and financially. Those conflict. Pardon me? Of course. Depends on who you surround yourself with. (laughs) Chasing the mighty dollar. Sometimes we don't take care of ourselves emotionally. We spend so much time in the emotional body and our emotional experience, we don't have the skill set to get the mighty dollar. That's how it can be. And so those are conflicted at times. It's very difficult to take care of oneself emotionally and financially all at the same time. I see a lot of people come through these doors over the years. I've seen that. And that is definitely a conflict point I've noticed. Very successful people that have come through these doors, present company included, (laughs) that are devastated emotionally. Not saying you are, but I've seen that. And I've seen the opposite as well. And the ability to integrate these two experiences and to be successful in these two experiences is difficult. It's possible, but difficult. You have to understand what you're up against. I put the outcome, but it's actually the solve. So there's the crisis and then the solve. Living well equals self-care. The ability to take care of yourself. That's how you live well in this equation. You have to reserve some of yourself for yourself so you can take care of yourself so you can balance yourself in these two domains, these two realms, the emotional realm and the financial realm, you could say. And both are key. We need both. As much as we think we or have a great disdain for the experience of needing both, but we need both. They're both attached to survival. So perhaps you can see yourself in this fine equation. I'm gonna walk you through the masculine. See how this goes. (laughs) The habitual, the ideal you could say, in the pursuit of this, self-sufficiency, autonomy, and ambition, and ambition, you must be this way have to be this way. The orientation is tasks. Well, why? Well, that's how we can be self-sufficient. That's how we can be autonomous. This is where we can point to our ambition at tasks. And look at me go with my tasks and whatever those tasks are. It's linear as we pursue tasks, which can be a great strength. And it is a great strength. I go from point A, I go to point B, and then I complete. Yay for me. Next, please. (laughs) One task after another. It's a great strength to be able to complete something and to feel successful, which is rare in this equation to feel successful (laughs) because it's what's the next thing I need to complete so I can feel good about myself. So being linear is a great strength, but it's also an extraordinary limitation, especially when you're attempting to dance in relationship. 
very challenging to have a linear relationship because it's transactional, not ideal. The predominant emotion is shame. Well, why shame? Well, what happens if I'm not enough and I can't live into all of this? What's expected of me to be self-sufficient, autonomous, and ambitious in this world? What happens if I can't live up to this? Well, then I'm not enough. And that's a perspective that supports shame. Whoa, that's unpleasant. And one of the reasons why we can shame ourselves so deeply. So the desire in this is to feel competent. Look at me, I'm so competent. I can get from point A to point B. <laughs> Look at all the tasks I do. Wanna see my to-do list and all my check marks next to it? <laughs> I am amazing and I want you to see it. <laughs> and please just tell me that I'm a good person, I'm not enough and you're gonna keep me around so I can feel safe, maybe. I can feel loved. And we can put our pressure, pressure on ourselves. The more tasks, the more check marks, the more we do, perhaps the more we'll be loved. And so our relationship to love is transactional as well. If I'm not doing, if I'm not being, if I'm not pursuing, if I'm not ambitious and all these different things, then I won't be loved. The strategy is to perfect. I have to be perfect to be loved. What if happens if somebody saw my to-do list without check marks next to it? That would be devastating. And a gateway into humili humiliation in no way, no way. My check mark, the preservation of my reputation is more important than anything and anybody. And whatever I have to sacrifice to hold on to my reputation to be perfect, to be seen as that, I'll sacrifice it. My own, my own health, my own well-being, my relationships, my family, all of it. That's the transaction. That's where it's linear. Seen as two ways. The perfectionist is seen as the tyrannical oppressor. <laughs> I'll take everything from you because you're going to mess it up anyways. And so best I do it. It's my way or the highway. And so this tyrannical beast that can be around in a relationship that rules and terrifies through critique, critique and judgment and criticism I am the ruler, you are the servant, and best you, pay, best you behave that way. And so the perfectionist can be seen that way, the tyrannical oppressor. Or, I put this, which I got a chuckle out of, but true in so many different ways, the inept man boy, which is deeply unattractive, that is for sure. The old baby, huh, how deeply disturbing because there's not much there other than whining and sniveling. And let me suckle off you a bit because I need your life because I can't keep my life together. So let me suckle off you a bit, whatever that looks like. Suckle off your emotions. 
suckle off your life, suckle your finances, suckle, suckle, suckle. Oof. And that is a lot of giving in that state. And so the outcome is feeling humiliated and resigned. We can give up. Perfectionists are amazing at procrastination. They can't perfect it, they won't do it. It'll sit on another to-do list. <laughs> One they never show anybody. In the drawer under a few things. The source of great humiliation. All the things in which you are not doing. Ooh. The list that terrifies you and wakes you up at night. Ha! Ah, I have so much to do. And the perfectionists can humiliate themselves over and over. They don't need anybody for that. And down that chain, we can resign. Resign to life, for sure. Resign to relationships, absolutely. And down that chain of events is death. That's what's waiting for us always, death. That's waiting for us anyways. But that can be premature if we're not careful by a series of poor decisions. Down the chain of these events is addiction, absolutely. Suicide, for sure. The devastation of the self, so much so, it's too painful to be here in this world. If you've toyed with that, if you've seen it, you know what I'm speaking about. I've seen that countless amounts of times and it's very sad. It's very difficult. And so the idea is to understand what you're up against, which is you and the human experience. Nobody escapes this. Nobody. Not that I've seen yet. So when it comes to the masculine, the expectation is to become self-sufficient. That's what's important, to be self-sufficient, which is a great strength. We also have to sacrifice a lot for that to occur. One of the things in which you have to sacrifice typically is relationships. The opposite of that being in the feminine, the great sacrifice is being self-sufficient. It's the opposite. That's the conflict. In the masculine, the crisis is establishing intimacy. That is a crisis. Because typically perfectionists are awkward socially. Absolutely. I'm so used to engaging with a spreadsheet or tasks or these kinds of things, fixing things. They don't talk back. I get to talk to myself. I'm always right. This is amazing. And now I'm stuck with you. And this is odd and strange. And I don't know what to say. And why are you looking at me? <laughs> and so that's the crisis, the ability to establish intimacy. However, that is the solve to live well is intimacy. And how much has to be sacrificed for that to occur for you to become more intimate not only with yourself, but with other people, you as the perfectionist, and you are a perfectionist. You are also the pleaser. And you want to understand which one are you more than the other. That is very important for you to know. And we swing from one to the other. We have a tendency of doing that. So much so we lose the sense of self. We bypass center. What's the center? Well, you can consider your center, your values, your wisdom, your lineage, where you come from, you bypass. We can do that. Playing out strategy after strategy, which is the games of the mind. 
And that's how the mind rules the body. We live in concepts. That's how it can be, which influences the ways in which we move in the world and specifically the ways in which we attempt to love. And that has been my focus over the last several days. Oh, what a story I've been telling you. <laughs> there is no access to love in these strategies. Zero. We dupe ourselves saying this is the ways in which I need to be loved, but there is never any love. It's hollow, it's shallow, and it consistently falls away because it's not real. What lives up here is not real. It's the imagination playing games and trickery. And that's why it's so important to live in your body, to be in your body more than you typically are, because that's what's real. Your body is real. You can touch it. You can feel it. What a beautiful thing. People can see it. And that's how we establish ourselves in this world and how important it is to establish yourself in your body so you can establish yourself in your world. You can't in this world because you can't do it without your body. And having a meaningful relationship with your body, it's not possible to establish yourself in this world in the absence of that. And that's what this beautiful practice is all about. You establishing yourself in your body. So there's more of you. And there's so much of you. It's unbelievable where you come from and who you actually are, which is not you. <laughs> You're the embodiment of something much greater than simply you. It's really quite astounding where you come from and who you actually are and how old and wise you actually are. Oh, it's astounding. And that's always at your disposal. But it only lives in your body, the access to such a thing. And so that's the value of this beautiful practice called yoga. You have direct access into your lineage, your wisdom, your values, everything you hold near and dear that's been passed on to you. And it's a beautiful thing to honor. And sometimes we don't honor that. We're too busy playing tricks, playing out illusions. So I have a question for you. Well, let me ask, can you see yourself here? Ooh, okay, that's good. I have another question for you. <laughs> Maybe two more, just to make this real. Mm -hmm. What is one thing that you do associated with what you're seeing up on the board, associated with what you see up on the board. That undermines what you want, that undermines your desire to belong, feel safe, to be loved. What is one thing that you practice, do on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis that undermines the very thing you say you want? Associate with these strategies. I become more emotional when there's a stomach like sick or sometimes you can't even do anything. Okay. Okay. Or masculine and feminine at times. Okay. Loss of balance, something like that. 
Okay, good. Anybody else? What do you got? Okay, you please. Very good. And, this, and the sacrifice is taking care of yourself at times. Very good. Okay, yeah, you perfect. Okay, good. Lots of sacrifice in that. Mm -hmm. One of which is relationships at times. Intensity, connection, the very things you want. <laughs> okay, good to notice. Swinging between the two. Okay, in the swing. Yeah. Yep, yeah, it's a hell of a, hell of a ride, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you for that. And so you want to see how you undermine intimacy, how you undermine self-care, how you undermine the things you say you want. You want to know that. Anybody else? It's a behavior, a practice, something you do that does such a thing. Okay. Yeah, chameleon. I like how you put that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Thanks for saying that. Okay. Now, I have a, another question for you. What's one thing you could start doing that would give you direct, direct access to developing greater intimacy or greater self-care in your life? What's one, one thing that you could start doing? Yoga. Great. Okay, good. <laughs> Yoga. Be more aware. Okay, thank you for that. Set boundaries. Set boundaries. Very good. Aha. Uh -huh. Hell of a thing for a pleaser, isn't it? Ah! <laughs> Where's my flexibility? Yeah, good. Thanks for that. Get rid of the checklist. Oh my goodness. Sounds horrifying. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a don't list. Okay. Okay, well, okay, to don't list. Very good. Thank you for that. <laughs> A whole other list you could create. Amazing. interesting conversation <laughs> you know one of the ways I'll just give this quick personal example it's been difficult for me to feel safe in this world it's something that I've been grappling with for a very long time and I it still reveals itself you could say one of the mo one of the motivating factors of me being here is the attempt to feel safe here at peace retreat building this walled garden to keep the serpents away in some ways, you know, it's like keep the evil out. And how can I do that? So I'm going to create this walled garden and maintain it and keep it as much as I possibly can. And I know that it's been a motivating factor for me being here for the last 13 years. One of the practices I had and still have in some ways is I'm not as honest as I could be. And that's been a, a practice I've been cultivating 
for many years is how to be more honest in the way in which I communicate within my relationships. Because when I'm not that, I'm, the outcome is brutal and devastating. And I can have these reasons, you know, I don't feel safe, I'm trying to keep other people safe, all these kinds of things. And it robs me of being transparent and honest. All with this guise of protection, trying to protect myself, trying to protect others. Oof, and it doesn't work. <laughs> it actually leaves me feeling unsafe. And so to feel safe, it's greater honesty, greater transparency. And I'm living that out yet again in my life currently. It's like, okay, here are the consequences yet again for attempting to protect yourself, protect other people, people you say you care about, but it didn't work. And these are the consequences. And now you have to deal with it yet again. Hmm. And the stakes feel very high to me this time. Oof, very high. And so it's yet another lesson for me. It's like, okay. If I want what I say I want, which is greater levels of intimacy so I can feel greater levels of safety, I have to change. That's the demand yet again, I must change. I cannot stay the same. And so that's the attempt to change yet again. And that's what this practice is so much about. Supporting you, changing into the person you need to be. And I wish that for you. And that's the practice in front of you. So give yourself exactly what you need through this practice. Pursue it diligently. Doesn't mean you're gonna get it. But you're sure gonna learn a lot along the way. And how wonderful. And you'll be so practiced at some point what you want will be right there. So let this be meaningful. You're ready to practice. Very good. Let us. <laughs>